Thanks. Thank you. Can you hear me? Sweet. Yeah, I was a little worried about that. I was like, how does anyone see this? It's awesome. Um, hey, I'm Marcel, if you haven't met me yet. I'm excited to be here with you this morning. So, uh, like Jenny said, I'm going to be sharing a little bit of just about what God's put on my heart. And, um, yeah, go from there. So, I felt like really this, this week, uh, you know, Jonathan is like, hey, I really feel like you'd have a echo. <laughs> really, really have a good message to, to bring or something to, something to encourage the church with. And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I don't. Thank you for thinking so highly of me, though. <laughs> and so, but anyway, so this whole, like, coming together has just really just been, I've been realizing that I really need to resubmit, like, some aspects of my life to God. And uh, believe it or not, part, part of that was my identity. It always has been. And that's what I felt like God was wanting me to share on uh, this Sunday is just uh, share on identity and just taking hold of God's promises. And so, man, I feel like that's the first thing that he, he did in me, and I feel like it's going to be the last thing, too. So, uh, so I'm in it, and it's very, very fresh. So even right now, I feel very underqualified to share this, but that, I just felt like God is saying, that's exactly why you should. And I feel like that's the place we should live in often is is you feel underqualified, but really, really what it is, it, that's a, a level of discernment of knowing, hey, I need to turn, I need to turn this way, I need to turn around, do a 180, because I know what, what God has said and where, I, where I'm supposed to be going, and, uh, you know, being able to, we disqualify, disqualify ourselves before we even start walking in that, and so, um, so, yeah, just wanted to encourage us with that, and so I wanted to remind us that Qualification doesn't come from man, but our identity is secured in him. So I'm going to pray for us real quick. God, I just uh, thank you for this church, God, that has been um, such a family to me and to all of us, God, for, for so long. God, I thank you that, that we look different <laughs> than a lot of what you would expect. God, that, uh, man, you, just, you show so many different aspects of your personality and of your love through the people here. God, we just pray that today you continue to develop us into the, the men and women we're meant to be. And God, just that anything that's from you would stick. God, that we would hold on to it. God, and anything that is not of you, God, that's not your plan, purpose, or will for our lives. God, that would just fall away, that we wouldn't remember it, whatever it was. God, so we just trust in you to do a work in our hearts this morning. So thank you, God. Amen. All right, so ever since I was a kid, God used the story of Joshua to inspire and lead me into to who he called me to be, and Joshua is a very, like, different man than who I would <laughs> describe myself as. He was a great commander. He commanded the armies of the Israelites to possess the land of Canaan, uh, the promised land that God had for them, and growing up, I was not very much of the commanding type of personality, and some may still say that that's not the case, but, <laughs> but so anyway, just like seeing some, someone live so, so boldly and so intensely uh, inspired me and just felt, made me feel like there was something, uh, something missing and something very powerful. And so um, I just, again, I just felt like God was leading me to, to reflect on Joshua's life. And so we're going to spend a little time doing that. So I'll just share a little bit of the things that God's been sharing with me on that. So we're going to start in Numbers 13, if you could put that up. And it says, 
send men, this is, let me give you a little backstory. This is right after uh, Exodus. Uh, they've crossed the, the sea, and they're, I think they're about two years into the, the wilderness. And so God has told Moses, hey, send 12 spies out into the promised land to see, basically to, to just get an eye for it, see what's going on. And the intent was, I want you to see what I'm going to have you take, really. So that's kind of where it picks up. So it says, send men to spy out to the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. Right there, he, he gives us an impossible mission, or maybe not even impossible. He gives us the mission, and he, said, and he gives us the outcome too. He says, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. He said, from each, from each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel, so they're leaders of their 12 tribes, right? These were the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And this is where I would read about three minutes of uh, names. So, but I, I'm going to bless you and just, you know, skip on down to, don't do that in your, in your quiet time, but we're going to do it right now. So, so one of the names was uh, Hosea, and Moses called Hosea the son of Nun but he called him Joshua, right? So we can tell from this verse that Hosea or Joshua had already been faithful with where he was at because he was a leader of his tribe, right? So, you know, God's given him little, or I wouldn't even call that little, but it's, it's evident that the life that Hosea has lived has been a life that's been given more responsibility and he's been entrusted with something. And so here he is giving, uh, he's, Moses is giving him another uh, greater responsibility because of what he's uh, done so far. So Moses sent one person from each of the 12 tribes to spy out on the land of Canaan. He sent Hosea, who he called Joshua. So instantly right there, we know that Moses, obviously, I don't, I don't, okay, let's, let's take it back a bit. We don't meet someone and uh, instantly give them a, a nickname or a new name, right? Like, I didn't meet my wife, Sharon, and say, what's up, Sharon? Like, I had to earn that. <laughs> that took some time. Um, <laughs> it's still not okay, apparently. <laughs> um, but anyway, so it's evident from this scripture that Moses knew Joshua, that there was a relationship there uh, taking place already, right? And so something's, something's already been developed. There's been investment there. And we see that in, in our previous chapters of the Bible, too. So, so he renamed him Joshua. There's significance to that. In Old Testament, names were treated with much higher regard than I think they are even now. Um, it could have been prophetic over someone. It was like saying really like what, what their life was going to be. Like it, it held a lot of weight. Um, and so we'll get into that here in a second of, of what those names mean. But... We know that Joshua takes Moses' place once he dies, but here we can see in the short span of verses that he's been engaged in his life, and he renamed him Joshua because he saw him as a man that trusted God in his difficulties. And we know that because Hosea means salvation, right? This is the name that he carried when he was in slavery uh, in Egypt, and it's the name he carried partially into the wilderness but he was renamed Joshua, which means God is salvation, right? And that's a testimony to himself. It's a reminder to himself and to the people around him who know him. And 
Um, so he renamed him that because he knew that this is a man who knows that God is, is his salvation. And um, yeah, so I just want to reiterate, as a young man, Joshua spent his years growing, growing up as a slave in Egypt and then proceeded to spend 40 years wandering the wilderness, right, with the Israelites before they could enter the promised land. All right, and then somewhere around 30 years, he, all of a sudden he's commanding an army to take the promised land, all right? Give or take on those numbers. But through God's faithfulness, Joshua learned that God is salvation, right? When Joshua returned from, with the 12 spies, with the report, he was, only, he was one of only two spies that returned who had faith that God would give them the land, right? The other was Caleb. The rest, they were like, hey, man, I don't think this is a good idea. We got LeBron James in the back. Chris Bosh is up to the left. And, man, they're just going to crush us. And so they started spreading rumors to, throughout the tribes that there were giants there. They, were gonna, they, they, were no, they would have stood no chance. They would have been crushed and destroyed. They could not take this land, no matter what God had said, right? And so, but Joshua was one of only two of the spies who returned with the faith. And so, man, that's, that's a testimony right there. But I bring all of that up to get to my first point, which is really that the identity God has given us is being forged in the secret place, right? Joshua didn't have that faith just because he was ignorant. He was more ignorant than the other people, right? He had that faith because he had developed it in his years of slavery, in the time, and seeing God be faithful, t- taking him through the, uh, across the sea, uh, away from the Egyptians, freeing, him, freeing them. And so this man has seen God be faithful, and his character and relationship with the Lord was developed in those years, years that we read nothing about, right? So we only get to hear a small portion of his story, but we get to read about and see the fruit of his life devoted to God, right? And we see that it affects generations of people. And so I just think that's so, it's so, uh, it's convicting, but it's also like, man, wow, like, I want to be, we all, we go see superhero movies and all these things, and we're like, yeah, man, I want to be that. Like, when I was a kid, I would come home from the Spider-Man movie, uh, you know, the first three, the original trilogy, don't hate on them. They're, they got some quality. Michael, I see you shaking your head. Um, but I would come home, and I would, like, start shooting my webs because I was like, I want to be the hero. I want to be like in the movies written about in the stories. Or my favorite one was after Toy Story, I, I was Buzz Lightyear for Halloween and I jumped off the couch with my little wings like literally thinking I'm going to fly. Like wow. this button is all it takes. <laughs> and it did not. I was really disappointed, but the, afterwards I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know what I expected. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's like most of this guy's story is not getting written about, right? Like, most of where his character and integrity and, you know, development as a leader is not getting written about. It's not getting the shiny trophies and glory, and he doesn't get a movie made about him, you know? Like, we we hardly know anything except the fruit that came from that, you know? And so, yeah, I just think that's so good and so encouraging to us, like, there's so much to our story, and there's so much to other people's story um, that God's doing, and it's all important because without those years uh, in slavery and being, and, and then being uh, freed, wandering the wilderness, um, that's a majority of his life. Then to the last portion of where he's leading the Israelites, like so much happened here to develop that person. So, really cool.
So I say that to just kind of reemphasize that so often we feel trapped in, in that section of the story, right? So often we feel trapped in the mundane and are waiting for some big moment, right? Or some spiritual high. But really it's our honor to wake up every day with joy and just be ready to give God glory with our lives, right? So when we, when we follow God, he takes the things that seem mundane and he gives them purpose, right? I love my wife because she, she challenges this every time that word comes up. She's like, I don't think there's really anything mundane. And, <laughs> you know, she's probably right. I mean, apart from God, there's probably a lot that's mundane. But, but that's just it's so incredible that really what we all long for and need is, is purpose, right? When, when we follow God, he takes those things and gives them purpose. And he uses these seemingly small moments, right, to train us into the men and women that he intended for us to be, Okay. And so I just want to share a little bit about, like, my, my part of this. And just really, even this last week, I was repenting to God, realizing, man, I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. And I'm just, like, not happy. And realizing that so much of that is coming from I'm trying to be successful in life, like, out of my own strength, out of my own being. I'm trying to please others out of what I can do. I'm, like, I'm living from what, what can Marcel push out and hold up while the walls come in, you know, and I need, I need God to lift me out. And so, man, I, I'm not going to lie, I've been exhausted, <laughs> exhausted, and I just, like, for so long, you know, people would ask me, like, we, I'd talk to a few people, like, hey, what's going on? And, it, and I'd be like, I don't really know. <laughs> I'm doing everything I think I should, right, but I'm doing it alone, and man, it's, it's, uh, it's meaningless. It really, it really was like it didn't have purpose. And, um, just realizing this week that apart from God, I can't be successful in those things. And so that's something for us to, to reflect on, but that God wants to continue bringing purpose to everything we do. And man, when he gives us purpose, his purpose, it brings life and refreshment and it's sustainable every single time. And so, um, that's something for me to reflect on. Okay, this doesn't seem sustainable. Why is that? All right, it's not because I'm in the wrong place. I can go anywhere with God and do anything He asked me to do. It's because I'm trying to do something apart from Him, right? So, this brings me to my, my second point about the life of Joshua, and that's that loyalty and devotion to God is uncommon. Okay? So here's this average man. Joshua was an average man who was loyal to Moses and wholly devoted to God. All right? And we know what we are loyal to um, by what we devote most of our time to. What, do we, what is most of our time, what is, what is most of our time spent doing? What is most of our thoughts spent thinking? And like going back just a minute ago, most of my thoughts were reflecting on, all right, how can I, get my to-do list done? How can I, like, make sure everything's accomplished? Everybody's happy with me. You know, like, I'm being a good husband. I'm doing good at my jobs. Like, you know, my, my friendships are being enjoyed. Like, my family's pleased with me. Whatever it was, like, anything. It was all me, 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 me. It's so gross. And so, just, like, really, I was, I was being loyal to myself and to what makes me comfortable, what, what, uh, what other people like wanted, really, you know? And so, man, I think that uh, just reflecting on this, that it's a good uh, way to take our temperature is knowing what we're loyal to by seeing where's most of my time spent, where are most of my thoughts at. And um, 
So then I want to ask us, all right, does what we devote our time to draw us and others closer to God? So think about that. Does what we devote our time to draw us and the people around us closer to God? Another person said it this way. They said, uh, if God answered all your prayers, would they change your life? Whose life would they change? Only yours or the people around you? And I'm sure I mis-twisted that up a little bit, but you get the idea, right? <laughs> so, man, that's something to really reflect on. If, our, if, if we truly have whole devotion to God, is that impacting the people around us and drawing them closer to Him, right? So, uh, I want to share a little story that kind of ties into this. Uh, growing up, I always... Uh, I, I would go over to my grandparents' house, Larry and Jeannie, not these guys right here. They're wonderful, though. I went to their house, too. But I would, I would wake up from uh, whatever we were doing whenever we visited, and Larry and Jeannie would be in the kitchen reading their Bibles together and, like, doing a devotion or something like that. And uh, I always remember thinking as a kid, I was like, wow, they read a lot. It's like so much reading. And then growing older, I, I realized what they were doing. I was like, man, that's really cool. Like, I'm going to do that one day with my wife. That's awesome. Like, man, this, is, this must be what it means to be Christian <laughs> or whatever. You know, just these weird thoughts we develop. So I had, I had put that in my head. So, all right, when I get married, my wife and I are going to read our Bibles together. Every morning, we're going to do our devotion together every day. And it's going to be great. And then I met Sharon over here. <laughs> and and I, I mentioned it to her one day. I think it was like a week or two after our, our honeymoon. And I was like, why don't we just, why don't we read our Bibles together? She's like, why don't we read our Bibles together today? And she was like, oh, I think I'm going to, I want to read by myself today. I, I need some time with God. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool. And then I was like, maybe we could do that in the future. I'd love if we like just started doing that together, you know, just read our Bibles together and just spent time hearing from God every day together. And she was like, oh, no, I think I'm, no, I'm okay. I'm good. <laughs> and I was like crushed. I was like, oh my gosh, do we even have a marriage? <laughs> like, I decided that this is what it had to look like. And man, I, I have to tell you, I'm so thankful that she like, had that reaction, that she was so guarded over her time with God. Because I would have used her as a crutch back then. I really would have. Because when I, what I saw in Sharon when we got married, I, did, I knew this about her, but I saw more of it when we got married. I saw someone who was so desperate to be changed by God in, ev- in everyday things and everything that she did. And I was comfortable. I was like, I was loving the Lord with all my heart, but I was like, <laughs> I was staying in, in that one spot, you know, where he had me. I was like, we had that one talk or whatever. Whatever the last thing we did, I was like, two years ago, was, that was great. That was good. <laughs> and, you know, now we're just going to love everybody around us and things are going to be great. And... Honestly, there's no, somebody told me one day that there's no such thing as standing still. You're either, you're either increasing or you're declining, and that can be applied to a lot of things. It can be applied to business, your friendships, relationships, um, but it's definitely true with your relationship with God and, like, who he's developing you uh, into as a person, and so I believe that I was just, you know, coasting right here, but the truth is, like, man, that's not, that's not where I was at, and so Seeing her live that life and say no to me was really a God thing because um, it inspired me to like 
take more ownership of, man, I need that. I need to be guarded with my time with the Lord. I need to pursue that above all other things and just really uh, just see where, where do I want to devote my time, really, you know. And so, uh, put you on the spot, but thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, God convicted me of settling for less than the full identity that, uh, that he had for me. So, uh, that brings me to my third point, and that is reflecting on the life of Joshua and his leader Moses, right? Who is God placed in your life to be what Moses was to Joshua, right? Who's, who's calling you up? Who's, who's saying, uh, this, is, this is the name that you have? I think God's given you a new name. I think he's calling you to something greater, right? Who is the person who is... Uh, Make really raising you up to replace them or do something even greater. Jesus said that we would do even greater things than him, even greater miracles. And, and uh, that's a pretty big statement, but that's, that's really the heart of Christ, is that we would, we would do that. Um, so I just want to share a story about that. Uh, back in 20, I think it was 2014, it might have been 2015, early 2015, but, uh, you know, I was... I was getting, you know, more part of this community, and this was my this was my home and family, and I felt like I was, you know, growing with these people who, just really searching after God's will and to be changed by Him, and obviously I confessed a little bit ago that I was not <laughs> being very uh, changeable, but anyway, uh, Jay Hupp over here invited me to lunch with him and Rob, and I think it was either, it might have been John Griff or, or Tom Thamer or somebody. I can't remember who all was there, but uh, he invited me to lunch at Good Sense, and he had never done that before. I was like, wow, this is cool. Like, I get to, like, I'm going to hang out with my pastor. We talked a lot about, you know, worship and other stuff, and you check in on my life, how things are going, and, but, but I was like, oh man, we're going to hang out. We're going to go to Good Sense. Never been to Good Sense, and well, maybe a long time ago, but we're going to go to Good Sense, and like, it's just going to be a chill. We're going to hang out and just have a good time, and like, it's going to be carefree. Like, I'm not going to be challenged or anything like that. And so we go to lunch, and I'm excited. Like, man, I get to hang out with the older crew. This is going to be really fun. <laughs> and we sit down at the table, and Hup takes a, a big old bite of his sandwich, and you know, he's like, mm, mm, so good. And, and then with his mouth still full, he's, he says something to me like, uh, oh, like, how can I get, I get this right? He's like, man, you got this, like, falsely humble thing going on. What's that about? <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, really? I thought we were here for fun. <laughs> I was so, honestly, I was so shook, though. I, I, like, froze. I was like, oh, crap, oh, crap. And I couldn't have put words to it at that time. I couldn't have, like, I couldn't have, uh, expressed what it was that was like keeping me in this place but thankfully God put someone in my life who saw it and like asked me about it he's like what is that is that real am I making that up is that and and instantly God put put on my heart it's like yes you are being falsely humble you feel the need to present yourself in a way that is you know um sure above reproach but like you basically what I was doing was I was being whatever, what I felt like everybody wanted me to be, right? And, you know, one of the ways that God convicted me about this the most was reminding me that, hey, when you stand for something, you have people who stand against you, right? 
had no one who stood against me, ever. I, scripture promises that we'll be persecuted. And, oh, not Marcel. <laughs> yeah, I was good. I'm doing great. Like, I didn't stand for anything, so there was no one who stood against me. And so my life was really just this, like, passive, you know, let's not rock the boat for anybody. And uh, that's where, where I was living from. And so I, I kid you not, he, did, he had no idea until I told him I was going to tell the story. But I've thought about that. Yeah, <laughs> I thought about that moment like probably like at least every once every week, and because it's been, it's been, <laughs> it's seriously like it's such a place in my life where the enemy is like, hey, just just be agreeable here, just be pleasant here, and you know, um, I know God's called us to go to war with our enemy. God's called us to go to battle, and like I can't, I can't live that way. I can't live passively like that anymore and that's like the lie that the enemy taught me this is how you live as a Christian good agreeable pleasant you don't stir the boat you don't offend anybody and I bought into that and uh, it was because I wanted everyone else to affirm my identity but when God affirmed my identity and told me who I was when I took possession of that it didn't matter anymore like I could and it's still progress like it's it's our natural instinct right to want other people's praise but when God gives us our identity, when we ask him for that every day, every morning, it's like, man, it's like the shield, shield of faith, really, like protecting us from the arrows of the enemy that um, really, it's, we just have to, we have to take that on before we take on anything else. And so that's been a big part of my life, and I never went to good sense after that. So, <laughs> so Proverbs ten seventeen says, whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life but whoever ignores correction leads others astray, all right? All right, so Joshua stepped into the role of one of Scripture's greatest leaders. He stepped into, he took over from Moses, right? And it even says in Scripture, there's never been one like Moses who saw the face of the Lord and just really had the, the prominence, presence that he did. But, but Joshua didn't let the shadow of his predecessor dampen the importance of his mission or of what God had called him to do, right? He stepped forward anyway. Joshua shows that a man of average ability may become a leader for the church. He didn't receive his call from some miraculous spiritual event, but from an older man who knew God and knew Joshua, and he saw that he was fitted by God to be a leader. Moses saw that in him. So that's as simple as it, as it is, right? I think we're always waiting for this big revelation, this big like event to tell us, hey, you've, you've arrived, go, go now, like go do, go do what I've called you to, but like waiting to hear, hear some, some big thing from God or some clear, uh, clear word, but sometimes God uses the people around us to, to help us walk into our calling and who we're meant to be. Um, so man, I just think that's so important for us to not, uh, minimize that, uh, that really God loves and cares for our obedience, because like, he knows that it's going to make us like him. Um, so grant, granted, those two things are important, obedience and the moments that we have with God, but we can't let them uh, unbalance the scale, really. And so, I mean, I think about when I was thinking about doing campus ministry and, or teaching, and I thought, uh, God, I just don't know what to do. And I prayed and prayed for, it felt like semesters of, and semesters of, of time. But 
just really not knowing where, where I should be. Like, I didn't want to miss my calling. I really thought it was going to slip away from me. And uh, one day, just wrestling with God, like, he told me, like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I just want you to think that you're worthy enough to, to do something, and I'll go there with you. Like, all he wanted was to do whatever I did with me. You know, it wasn't like I was missing the boat or something like that. But um, so I believe firmly that I could have, could have chosen any career path down the road or whatever it was, like, and God, and I believe that's true of all of us, God wants to go with us, and that's it, you know, like, he's just asking us to, to live a life of obedience to him, and, and, and Jesus did say, like, the, uh, the one who keeps my word loves me, like, it's evident. Um, so, yeah, I just, I think that's encouraging for us. So think about that. Who's God placed in your life to be what Moses was to Joshua? Who's calling you up? So if, I, if you don't think of anybody right now, think of who that could be, right? And ask them, like today. Don't wait. Because I decide to do things not today, and they don't happen. <laughs> um, and if, you know what, on top of that, think about, man, who, who, is, who is my Joshua? Who am I calling up? And investing in and you know, seeing that this person has a future and uh, really seeing them the way that God sees them uh, and calling them up. So think about those things. So I'll, I'll close with, with this. Uh, taking possession of God's promise in our lives means being strong and courageous. And in Joshua 1, verse 6 through 9, he says this. This is uh, God speaking to Joshua after Moses' death. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that my Moses servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So I just want to look at that. Look at that scripture. It's interesting. God told Joshua to be strong and courageous three times in those verses. And he encouraged Joshua in this way probably because he knew that Joshua felt more unqualified and afraid than anything else, right? Like, you don't say something three times just for the heck of it, just because you like the way you sound, right? So Joshua's probably feeling unqualified and afraid. So he spoke to the, God spoke to that. He spoke to the fear, the anxiety, the lies, and said, be strong and courageous. That's the first thing he says. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. He reminds him of the promise, right? It's already promised. The battle's won. God has victory. Just be strong and courageous. Just keep going. Just go forth. And he reiterates that three times, and I think that's so important. And he says this only once. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, because it only takes God one time to quiet the lies if we ask him, right? It only takes God one time to quiet the fears that are, that are in our heart. And Granted, you know, we'll come back to him for that uh, other times as well, but 
when we, when we hear from God, his, his focus right now is really on, on, encouraging, on, on us, encouraging us what to do, where to go, and that's be strong and courageous, move forward, uh, trust in him, trust in the promise that he's given, right? And so I just want to emphasize that I think like taking hold of our identity and these promises um, is so important. And I think we in the church kind of lose light of how we do that, right? And in Joshua, the, the example is through conflict and conquest, right? God called his people to possess the land of Canaan, to take it, right? And we love this idea when it's in movies, but in the church we call it striving. And like we really do. We always we all love the hero who's going to take back what was stolen, right? Who's going to take back what what is what is rightfully theirs or what or bring justice, right? We love that idea. We love the idea of the battle, the fight, the war, the conflict, the conquest. But we've chalked it up to striving now. And I just want to leave us with this. Let's not be afraid to go to battle to possess the promises that God has for us. Just because we're putting in effort does not mean we are striving. If we remember that the battle belongs to the Lord, then we can rest assured that God already has the victory. Yeah. So, I'm going to pray for us. God, we thank you for the words that that you uh, have shared with us through your scripture. God, we thank you that You've commanded us, God, to be strong and courageous people, to, to not only do that for ourselves, God, to, to not only uh, go to battle and possess the promises you have for us, for ourselves, God, but that when we do that, God, you, you show up for the generations, God. You show up for, for so, uh, so many people, God, when we, when we uh, fight for, that, for your victory. And so, God, I just pray right now that you'd put in our hearts just the, the willingness to, to answer your call, God, to take the mantle that's being given to us, God, to, to follow in the steps of Moses and Joshua and lead your people because we're all called to that, God, every single one of us. God, would you show us who, who those people are, God, who, who you've put in our lives, God, for, for us to call up, God, to raise up and draw near to you, God, to change this world. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. God, I pray that anything that's of you, God, would stay, would stick. God, that we would not walk out of here unchanged. Um, and that anything that was not of you, God, would fall away. So we, we ask this in your name and we thank you. Amen.